Welcome to Epilepsy Cast, the podcast about all things epilepsy from Epilepsy Action. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of Epilepsy Cast. I'm Rich. Hello, I'm Hattie. Hattie. Hi. Nice to be nice to be here with you as usual. Uh, you might notice something, Hattie. I think this is like the ongoing like saga and story arc of the podcast, but I finally have. <laughs> A haircut. A haircut. Yeah, the pressing. <laughs> we talk about the pressing issues here on Epilepsy Cast, but um, yes, Rich's hair I know. is now much, le- much just less big. There's just less of it. Uh, just less big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's much. Uh, yeah, my headphones don't stick about uh, ten inches off my head now. And they're, like, they're nice and flat to my head. So that's lovely. And you know, just in time for that heat wave that we just experienced in the past weekend. Lovely and cool. You know, it, it felt like twenty degrees rather than thirty degrees to me. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Real nice. Um, I also, I also braved, um, braved a bar for the first time um, since you know we're able to go oh, wow. to it now. That was a nice, not good experience. You know, um, everything was set out nicely. It was actually a really good experience, and you know, even though you were kind, it was kind of weird, and you were like very conscious of what you were doing and conscious of people around you. You know, it felt like nice to get back to at least a little bit of normality to be hanging yeah. out in a bar again. Of course. Uh, well, I have a toddler, so even before lockdown, it's been a long time since I set foot in a bar. Um, but well, I'm really glad okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, no, I'll just rub it in your face. Like, yeah, I love bars, me. Can go to them all the time, no responsibilities. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely but, uh... fine. Um, Speaking yeah, of we've... toddlers, we we have just had we have just heard your toddler screaming in the background, very upset about something. So oh, yeah. sorry if we do um, get a bit of that in the background right now. Yeah, if we do, then uh, he's being put down for a nap, and unfortunately, that isn't what he wants to do today. Even though it's what he really needs, so uh, he's expressing <laughs> his feelings about that. <laughs> Can um... we exchange like bodies? I'd gladly be put down for a nap right now. <laughs> <laughs> i know that's the Please. thing kids never want to nap and i want to say to him but this is your opportunity <laughs> like... i know yeah exactly in 20 years time you won't be napping exactly it's completely socially acceptable for you to do this right now um go right ahead although right to be fair ahead. i think it's completely socially acceptable to get any rest or naps that you need whenever you do so um, very true no actually, judgment yes, here on yes. epilepsy cast like do what you need to do right so what epilepsy news do we have to talk about this week Hattie? um it was last week or the week before um but it was just after we recorded the last episode that the um the sun um newspaper online ran an absolutely um brilliant and quite shocking article um about epilepsy and education um, we'll link to it in the show right. notes, um, and it features some people: um, Hannah, and Anna, and Sophie, all telling their story of their um, experiences with education. And um, it links to the some statistics from the Office of National Statistics that shows that um, apart from um, those who have serious or specific learning difficulties, those with epilepsy are the least likely of um, any disabled group to have a degree and the most likely to right. have no qualifications at all okay um which is really shocking to hear that because i found that really kind of stark 
to hear, um, especially when we know that it doesn't have to be that way. So um, we know of, I mean, we've spoken to some, on this podcast, to some brilliant teachers whose schools support them with their epilepsy. And we also hear stories at Epilepsy Action of brilliant schools who support students with epilepsy all the time um there are they're required by law to make reasonable adjustments um that might be extra time or repeating things like regularly checking that pupils have understood um extra time in exams time off for appointments helping children catch up like they're required by law to do those things and um we know that lots of schools take that completely in their stride and give loads of fantastic support so um it's really hard to hear of those situations where that hasn't happened so um it will link to that article in the show notes and we'll, what we'll also link to is um epilepsy action has some um, brilliant e-learning tools for schools for teachers and stuff that can be used in the classroom as well um, and they're actually really popular at the moment i don't know if it's because teachers have um been kind of thinking about how they can support people more or kind of thinking about what it's going to be like when we all, when kids hopefully go back to school in September. But those resources are there. They are um, really engaging, and I think um, I know that people find them really useful. So, um, if you are a parent who has a child with epilepsy going to school, or you work in a school, um, then please do check them out. Point them, point people to them. Um, they are really valuable to help schools kind of think about what they need to put in place to support pupils with epilepsy. Yeah, for sure. And we have actually got a few teachers commenting and uh, sort of linking linking the section on our website on social media um, to, to kind of um, different uh, teachers unions and stuff like that to, to to let them know that this resource on our website is, is really good and maybe something that, um, you know, I guess when lockdown was really in place and I guess now over the summer holidays that teachers can either catch up uh, remind themselves or kind of learn for the first time about how to cope with um, students that might have epilepsy. So you've heard straight from the teacher's mouth, good resource. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the uh, interview, the person who we're chatting to on this podcast is actually with um, somebody who is a teacher. So um, that's kind yep. of, we've got a bit of an education theme going on. We have, yeah. And speaking of education, I guess uh, we are also uh, wanted to let you know about this piece of research that um, some researchers from Keele University are doing alongside uh, ourselves. We're kind of supporting them in it and um, letting people know about it. It's a it's a lot. It's a study um, as part of a large project about wearable devices for epilepsy, uh, uh, which are used to detect epileptic seizures. Um, the kind of aim is to explore how people use them, what their opinions are about them, you know, and, and they are looking for uh, the opinions of people with epilepsy and maybe carers or family and friends that also kind of receive the alerts from wearable alarms and uh, also healthcare professionals' opinions on them. Um, so we, and we think that's really important because, you know, as, as you know, technology evolves um the kind of ability to detect seizures and especially alert family members or close um carers about them is is going to evolve and it's it's becoming really important we constantly get questions about you know the best the best uh the best devices and stuff like that so uh definitely take part if you can we think it's really important and it's going to contribute to the evaluation and future developments of these well devices that kind of detect seizures so you can take part if you are a person with epilepsy at age 18 or over either you care for someone with epilepsy 
or you're a healthcare professional who works with people with epilepsy, or you're the friend of the person with epilepsy, or you're a family member of a person with epilepsy. Uh, so you can go to our uh, website, which is epilepsy.org.uk forward slash keel research. That's K double E L E research. And uh, you'll find all the details there. It's uh, only kind of like a, a 10 minute questionnaire. So uh, spare 10 minutes to help uh, people with epilepsy in the future. Yeah, anything that can improve um, that kind of world as those technologies develop is really welcome, I think. So it'll be really exciting to see what comes out of that research study in the future. And as I said, our um, the person who we're chatting to um, in the interview slot of this podcast um, this week is a teacher. She's called Ibby, Ibby Maloney. She's an English literature and language teacher and she also, just under a month ago, had a baby. Um, hey. Which... Um, is obviously a hugely turbulent time in anyone's life. Um, everything changes all at once, but um, Ibby spared some time to chat with us um, about um, all things epilepsy and pregnancy and how that's all worked for her in the COVID lockdown. And so we're here on Zoom again, um, but we're here with Ibby. Hi, Ibby. Hello. How are you doing today? Hi, Ibby. Yes, great, thank you. Good. And we were just saying that the weather where we are is pretty grey and drizzly. I don't know how it is where you are today. Not too bad, not too bad. We're quite lucky. Grey skies, but no rain so far. And so, Ibi, we were just chatting before we were recording because you have just had a baby. Yes, that's right. Yes, very, very lucky. Just um, just under a month old, so yeah. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, And it's a little girl, is that right? Yes. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, and what, what's she called? So she's called Neve. Um, she's a quarter Irish, so we've got some Irish Irish heritage, and it means brightness and radiance. And we're thinking it's the, the name is so important to me. It's so symbolic, not just coming out of the darkness of COVID, but sort of hopefully coming out of the darkness of my epilepsy journey as well, really. So the name was very, very significant for both of us. Yeah, right. oh, that's so lovely. So, have, you, have you gone with the Irish spelling as well? Yes, oh, absolutely. Yes, oh, see. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that, that, name was, that name was presented to me for the very first time quite recently, and I was like, it's, it's called Niam. I was like, no, that's Neve. I was like, that's Neve? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I think the only time we I've ever seen Neve spell out was like with Neve Campbell and stuff like that. So that's true, yeah, that's true. It's yeah. a very, very unusual name, but we did have a blessing in church, and they pronounced it Nivea. I think it's a beautiful spelling though I think it looks really pretty as well as sounds really pretty oh yeah, thank definitely. you um yeah so you mentioned um your epilepsy journey I wondered if you um could kind of talk us through kind of how that all started like how long have you had epilepsy yeah absolutely so four years ago I started experiencing what I now know to be absence seizures um and just these little blackouts where i just zone out for 30 seconds up to up to about a minute a minute and a half um and at the time i just put it down to tiredness you know just a little bit of being overtired i worked in a very very intense secondary school um which had nine periods a day wow very, very wow and um, five lessons before lunchtime four lessons after lunch and Oof. The pace and the pressure was phenomenal. Um, I worked there for four years, and if I got to go for a wee at half past three, that would be a real treat. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, just... yeah that sounds that just sounded really intense really yeah. intense um the pressure to get grades was phenomenal so whatever mm. your kids target grades were you you damn well got those grades mm. um and it just <clears throat> whilst i did enjoy it i didn't really look after myself during that time i'd, I'd often be on four or five hours sleep a night and marking until the small hours lesson planning and dealing with the new gcse spec very very high staff turnover but okay. yeah quite quite intense and i just would yeah. always put these little seizures down to tiredness understandably like you were working so hard that that you would you would just and i guess if you're not um looking after yourself you're not necessarily paying attention to what's going on with your body either that's right absolutely and then bizarrely when i left there in 2017 after I left there, the seizures became more frequent. Okay. So it was almost like, I don't know if my brain was in some sort of recovery mode, but as soon as I left there, the seizures would up from anywhere from four to 12 every month. And I kept saying to myself, oh, if I have one more, I'll go to the doctors. Oh no, that's fine. That doesn't really count. I'll go to the doctors if I have one more. Mm-hmm. And then I was working at another school and I had one in front of a class of 30, quite rowdy year nines. Um, <laughs> an ideal audience for that. 14, 15. I remember waking up and just saying, um, "Oh, right, come on, then, guys, let's let's read from page five, okay? Turn your books, come on, let's go, page five. Now, that miss, we've just read this, and I was like, "Oh, come on, stop messing me about, don't be silly." Like, miss, we've literally just read these pages, and I just had a mm. moment where I looked at these sea of faces, and some of them were laughing, some of them were looking at me with concern, some of them were you know, thinking what's, what is going on? And I just thought, I've just had an absence in front of these kids. I've just, I don't know what time it is. I don't know where we got up to. I've lost some time. So I made myself go Yes, it was, it was very bizarre. Like for the first time in my life, I felt like I was living in a body that I no longer recognized. Mm. I was very, very used to being. um, Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I'm so, someone who's very very active and leads a very busy life but I've always at school been top set straight A student got my grade 8 piano flew through school Mm. um and just I was suddenly in this body that wasn't doing what I was I wasn't aware you know I would Mm. wake back up and be like so I went to the doctors and um explained what had been happening I had a logbook I was very good had a logbook of all the times they were happening and how much sleep I'd had the night before what I'd eaten and stuff um, and I remember them saying it's, it's suspected epilepsy, and I just I just knew they were wrong. You didn't just get <laughs> epilepsy. How right. could you? Yeah. Like I just I just yeah. was convinced they were wrong. Like I've heard of people getting cancer very sadly, and you get cancer at whatever age, but you don't yeah. get epilepsy. How can you? You're born with it, or you don't have it. Like I just I was so convinced they were wrong. Right. And right. I remember him saying to me from this point onwards, you mustn't drive. Um, and we'll book you in for an MRI and an, and an EEG on your brain. And I thought, oh, don't be so ridiculous. Like, I've not got epilepsy. So I did. I drove. I drove home. And right. I remember sitting in my car and turning the keys to switch the engine off. And I didn't want to pull the keys out because I knew once I pulled the keys out, that was the end of me driving. Yeah. And I didn't. Oh. I just sat in the car for ages and was just like... Whew. And I remember, I remember getting out the car... And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to wait till I get the results because the results are going to prove this doctor wrong. Right. There's no way that I've got epilepsy. Mm. Got the results, which proved inconclusive. They said there was some abnormal slow wave activity 
I waited and waited and waited for this results letter and it was a sentence, it was a single sentence yeah. just saying there is some abnormal activity. Oh, I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah, no, yeah. I've caught that. I think that confuses things a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what does that mean? Some? Yeah. Some? Is that a lot? Is that not a lot? Yeah, of course, you, you're yeah. waiting for the answer and then you, you, you just, there's about a thousand more questions. That's right. Um, and then I was incredibly reluctant to go on medication because that was almost acknowledging what I had. Mm. And I, I, so I, I didn't, I just kept thinking, oh, if I sort my diet out and just, you know, really look after myself, make sure I'm hydrated throughout the day, they'll go. They've come on, they'll just go, you know, like yeah. as, as almost as they come. So I was very stubborn and very, very, very reluctant to take any medication. So I just carried on really. Still kept having them. Um, when I came back round, I'd often say, what day is it? what day is it I don't know what day it is mm. and my husband would answer me but I couldn't hear him and I couldn't okay. hear myself in the question and then when I eventually came round, I'd be so anxious to like oh, what have I just said what have I just done oh my gosh tell me what I've just said and I'd be so anxious I'd often trigger another one I'd often bring okay. another one on just by being so embarrassed you know by yeah. what, I, what I said or well and I guess and you know you're still in the, all of this you're still having to stand up in front of a class yeah really and like you're very exposed as a teacher aren't you yes definitely definitely you're the one who needs to be in control of your 30 kids and who's saying this to who and you, you can't afford to you know be out just for a second um and then sadly last june i had my very 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 first tonic chronic okay so oh gosh like my husband was downstairs I was upstairs he heard a massive crash and I tumbled off the bed knocked over the bedside lamp and was there on the floor fitting um last time he was amazing he was going went back to all his boy That's scout good. training and was doing that airways breathing and circulation right. <laughs> <laughs> it was very 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 good but it was something that none of us have ever seen before um, no. And then had about a tonic clonic probably about once a month from that point onwards. Gosh. Um, so then the um, consultant asked my husband if he could possibly video one, which he did. I was sat on the settee and he was, I was safe, so he was able to video it. And I've watched it twice and I, I won't ever watch it again. It was not me. It was just, mm. oh my goodness, my eyes were back in my head and I was really fitting and shaking and it just yeah. it, was, it was quite upsetting to see yeah um I, I just could not believe that my body was almost doing this to me like yeah oh, so um and then we were planning a pregnancy for a long time and we were incredibly fortunate in in being able to conceive so quickly but I had some tonic clonics whilst pregnant gosh and that was terrifying. Um, the one wow, that I remember yeah. really vividly was January the 2nd, because it was the day my husband went back to work. I had sadly, with the greatest of reluctance, finished work just at the beginning of January this year, um, right. just because I couldn't afford to be pregnant and risk the tonic clinics. Um, yeah, and at that point, I was working in um, alternative provision. So I was working okay. with kids who were incredibly challenging very very three kids in the class really really challenging students who'd, who'd been excluded from mainstream about five or six times right okay. bless them they really looked after me they knew all about my epilepsy and they were very 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 good at going to fetch oh, somebody if, if kids are amazing aren't they we've we've had um <laughs> we are uh, a few episodes ago we interviewed another um teacher who teaches in primary 
you said that like the kids just take it all in their stride like even it sounds like even the most challenging kids like there's something innate and compassionate about people I guess that like they will look after people definitely absolutely yeah definitely but it was January the 2nd and I was just using the downstairs toilet which has got a very vivid green wall and I know that it was 20 past four because I just sent a text to one of my friends and the next thing I knew, I woke up at half past five in the upstairs bedroom, flat on my back. My tongue was killing me. My tongue was mm. ugh, really, really hurting, banging headache. Mm. And I had one slipper on, one slipper off, tiny bit of blood on each side of my shoulder. Right. And I just had lost over an hour. I was like, how did I get up the stairs? What has just happened? Um, and I realized I must have had a tonic-clonic. I think I fell forwards um, sort of off the toilet heaven knows how I got myself up the stairs um and then I remember because they've said to me if you have a tonic clonic whilst pregnant you must call an ambulance and I remember ringing the ambulance and I was so choked up I couldn't say what I needed to say I kept saying is the patient breathing is the patient breathing and I was like the patient's me I'm pregnant I've just had a tonic clonic I don't know what I've done I don't know if I've fallen I don't know if I've hurt the baby Um, and every single time the paramedics have been phenomenal very 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 good but obviously they ask questions like have you felt the baby move since your seizure yeah which yeah not, really worried no not always yeah, of course so with the greatest again of reluctance i started taking medication mid-january well okay and gosh I really didn't want to i yeah. really didn't want to. i kept thinking i'm not drinking i'm not smoking i'm putting all of this five a day into my body for my baby and at the same time, I'm popping pills. I don't want to do it. It's all right saying mm. to me, there's not a risk. I don't want to do it. Like, it doesn't sit comfortably with me to be taking tablets whilst having a little human inside me. Um, and I had to increase the dose every two weeks. So again, <laughs> I didn't like doing that. I felt very mm. responsible. And I kept saying, if there's anything happening to this little baby when she's born, it'll be my fault. And I'll never, ever, ever forgive myself, you know, for taking these tablets. They reassured me that the background risk of any form of abnormality is 2%. And with taking these tablets, it's 3%. Okay, which tablets were you taking? <clears throat> Lamotrigine. Okay. So started at 25 milligrams a day and then upped it, upped it, upped it to 200 milligrams a day. Um, but yeah, that didn't, that wasn't something I was... No. And like, it's all of those con- those decisions that you, like, that you have to make that... Um, someone who doesn't have epilepsy doesn't like all of those decisions about right. risk and balancing risk and what's right. what's the best option and and it and there's no perfect scenario in in there as well because the perfect scenario would be that you didn't have epilepsy I guess so yes in all of that you've got to um work out what's right for you what's right for your baby what and I, I that's just adds a whole extra layer um definitely yeah absolutely really difficult the way they said it was it's balancing the risk it's either you're taking the tablets and trying to reduce your seizures or you know potentially doing damage to the baby through falling and all sorts of things like that by having a fit um ideally they wanted me to get the epilepsy under control before conceiving but with again the greatest respect to the medical profession when they told me that i was 35 not 25 you know I had a you know you're, you're running out of time sometimes to to have children aren't you you don't know how yeah. easy it's going to be for you um and then sadly again on Easter Sunday this year 
really, really bad tonic-clonic in the upstairs bathroom, fell and blocked the door. So my husband wasn't able to get into the bathroom. And by this point, I was, oh gosh, I'd be six months pregnant. Um, And he just, he was on the phone to paramedics, but he couldn't physically push the door open to to be able to get to me. Um, So then spent four and a half hours in A&E, mid-COVID, with all, you know, they, they just they just couldn't, bless them, they couldn't do the social distancing. I remember lying on a bed in a corridor next to all these patients who were coughing and crying out in pain, thinking, oh gosh, like I've come to check my baby's heartbeat, but potentially risking us both with COVID as well now, you know. Mm, yeah. Oh, geez. yeah. Well, because that's another layer, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then basically um, had an elective cesarean, which was on the 10th of, um, 10th of July, told them all about my condition, explained that I'd not had a tonic-clonic since Easter Sunday, but I had been having absences still. Um, and then I'd had to fast from 8pm the day before, and they didn't take me in till like half past 12, so half past midday. Gosh. And I remember, I remember going in, I remember them asking me what type of music I liked and I couldn't think, I just couldn't think what the genre was called. So I was just like, oh no, heavy metal, no, like, you know, I'm not bothered about the music. (laughs) Right. And then I remember, I think I remember being sat there and they said, you must keep very, very still now because we're going to put the epidural in. And I was out, I was gone. I had some sort of absence, which I can't remember at all, but they said to me, this an absence seizure. And he said, yeah. And I just go completely still, completely quiet, and start moving my lips. Like, mm. okay. Yeah. So yeah. it could have been, it could have been much, much worse. Like, thank the Lord, it wasn't a tonic clonic. Um, you know, because obviously that's the one time when you have to be very, very still, very still, with, with the needle going in. Um, but because they they witnessed me having one, I had about four or five that afternoon as well. And I was incredibly sick and I didn't have anything to eat at all all day. So I don't know if it's something to do with blood sugar or something to do with that. Yeah. But because of that, they did let my husband stay the night. Whereas because of COVID, he would have just been allowed to hold the baby and then have to go. So that's one blessing from my epilepsy that he was he was able to stay. Yeah. I don't think they would have let him if they hadn't witnessed it. I, I really no. don't think they would yeah. have because they've made that very, very clear to us from the beginning. Um. You know, he wasn't allowed with me at all until literally seconds before the operation. And then they really stressed that partners must go because of the COVID situation. So, yeah, so even now I'm having to be careful. There's various things I'm not allowed to do with the baby um, on my own and different things like that. Yeah, so that was going to be one of my questions, actually. Like, um, I, I guess there are a lot probably quite a lot of kind of adjustments and adaptions that you might have to make to manage having seizures when you when you have a newborn around um I wondered if you could let us know kind of what 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 has stuck out to you as things that you've you've like strategies that you've come up with to manage it military operations One of the hardest things for me, like even pre-pregnancy, was losing my independence. That was mm. something that just, oh, I just, I still probably haven't come to terms with. Yeah, the way you, the way you were describing taking your keys out of your car for the last time, then that that really hit me because I've never even thought about it like that, and truly I haven't. And yeah, me, yeah. I'm from a farm, yeah. from a very very isolated 
place. So when I passed my driving test when I was 17, that was literally my gateway to freedom. I felt right. so better. I wasn't having to ring my mum and dad like, can you pick me yeah. up, please? Like I could, yeah. it was heaven to yeah. be able to drive. And then I've been working, oh gosh, since I was 14 years old. Mm. So to have to finish work and to not be able to drive was just journeys that were half an hour, took me two and a half hours. Yeah. Mm. And I've, I used to finish my alternative provision job at three o'clock and the bus was at 3.22. And if I missed it, the next one was an hour. And so I remember leaving at three on the dot and I had to paddle walk up this, the biggest hill you've ever seen. <laughs> and then I'd sometimes have missed it by seconds. And I'd be yeah. like, right, I can sit at the bus stop now for an hour or I can just walk. And I sometimes mm. did walk home, but it would take me two and a half hours to just... <laughs> right. Oh, so yeah, sorry, I've gone off the, off the no. It's all right, no worries. <laughs> with the baby. And we love tangents baby. here. We really do. Yeah. That's me. Um, I miss, I miss not being able to have a bath. Like having to say to my husband, I'm getting in the bath now. Can you come and supervise me? Like, yeah. it's a, oh my yeah. gosh, it feels like, I just, oh, it, it really feels incredibly frustrating to someone who's used to being so independent and so able and so um but yeah with the baby I'm not allowed to carry her up and down the stairs right um at all not even in the in the um in the crib or the the carry the carry cot um I'm not allowed to bathe her on my own I, I constantly have to shout through to my husband I'm fine I'm fine like all the time he's very good at watching me and if, if he sees that I've gone for a little bit, he'll be like, Ibby, you okay? Are you all right? And if I, if I talk back to him, he knows. And sometimes he'll ask me a question, like, what's your date of birth? What's your name? And if I give him the right answer, he knows that. <laughs> right. He's <laughs> got a checklist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously I was really looking forward to being a mum, but it's quite, sometimes I do struggle because I feel like I'm being babysat as well. Right. Yeah. My mum and dad and my husband, won't ever leave me just with Neve. So something who's with it, who's watching it, and it it's they're doing it because they care. Of course they do. But since having epilepsy, I have felt like a bit of a burden to people because mm. it's like like who's with it, what what who's looking after it, and I'm like ah, I'm 35, <sighs> I don't need looking after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. obviously like, you. I'm still in a position where I can't say to you, oh, I'm three weeks clear, or I've not had a seizure for two months, or. I had one on uh, Friday, so I'm, I'm just two days clear at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Of course, and that, that's that kind of, um, all of those, it's a recurring theme with the conversations that we have with people, but all of those extra things that people don't think about when they hear epilepsy. So like that, you say like, you know, you lose your ability to drive, so you lose your independence. People are watching you all the time. Like you, there are ways, I guess, you know, you have to with Neve, like you have to like set everything up that you're going to need downstairs because if you can't go upstairs and get something if you need it yes absolutely um, yeah and the other thing since being pregnant I did have about four or five absent seizures where I wet myself which okay. was again mortifying yeah. um I'm a massive netball player I love netball play netball three or four times a week stopped right. when I was pregnant and then before COVID, I used to go in school and watch the games and support and cheerlead and, you know, I, don't, I love it. And yeah. I had an absence and wet myself. And I don't think anyone noticed, but I didn't know until I got back in the car and I sat down. I thought, I'm wet. I'm all wet. Mm. 
and it's just it's it's painfully embarrassing it's really yeah. quite excruciating because I can have an absence of 30 seconds and no one unless you're talking to me might not even notice yeah and then I'm stood there and I'm thinking gosh I've, I've, I've just wet myself like how how embarrassing you know yeah of course yeah again like it's that like being exposed and um, being at the mercy of kind of the people around you when you, you have a seizure and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I have to confess, I was not aware of the condition at all. Um, I very rarely taught anybody who had it. And all I would know about it is when you have the warnings on the TV, like oh. flashing yeah. lights and everything like that. But I would never yeah. have known absent seizures. And again, with the diagnosis, I've got no family history. So that was one of my other reasons for, no, it's not epilepsy. It's nobody in my family has got epilepsy, so how can it be? And mm. I think one of the other things as well is some people can link it to a car accident or a brain injury or something. Yeah. And yeah. I think that might have made it easier for me to accept as well. If I'd like, oh, yeah. ever since I fell off that horse, I've had, or ever since I, and I haven't, it literally just came on and just I haven't got a, out of the blue. a reason. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely... I was going to go back, I was going to go back to back to that actually when you were you were mentioning you know kind of you had never never right you never realized that you could just kind of get epilepsy um you know you've talked about how you kind of reacted to it what about your family and friends and that kind of thing how did they react i think they were probably more accepting than i was right because okay. the condition had a name and then obviously with that name we did a lot of research and looked at the different types of epilepsy because prior yeah. to that i would have just thought of the fits yeah the actual yeah. full blood fits yeah and they were very 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 keen for me to get on medication as soon as possible because i think especially my mom she's determined for me to get driving again because she knows how much that has just crushed me mm. oh my goodness so she's determined to get me better she really is determined to to beat it more so than me in some ways i sometimes right. lose, lose <laughs> yeah. heart with it a little bit um, <laughs> Especially because I've not really gone, I think the most I've done is 21 days free. And so in some ways, whilst I was initially determined to drive again, hmm. I haven't got that inside me anymore because I'm frightened. I'm frightened to, you know, um, but no, my family... Just in case anything happens, yeah. And especially, I guess, with now um, your yes, little girl. Yes, yeah, Even more so, Yeah. I mean, they've been very, very supportive, but I wouldn't say anybody without wanting to, because I'm so lucky to have such a gorgeous group of friends and family, but none of them understand. Like, they don't actually mm. understand what it's no. like, like, at all. Like, I've tried to explain it, but sometimes you'll hear people talk where they've not driven for about a week. I'm like, oh my gosh, was that hard for you, was it? Not driving for a week? I've not driven for two and a half years now. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes people don't um, think, do they, before they speak or um, like, yeah, that kind of comparative stuff can be really hard. Things that were once so easy, like getting a text from a friend, like, do you want to meet up? Yeah, sure. What time do I now have to really rethink, like, how yeah, am I getting there? How am I getting back? How can I sort of repay them if they're having to be like, oh, I've got to drive 20 minutes to pick it up and then we've got to having to coordinate with all different people just because I'm transportless. That's that's yeah. very, very difficult. Um, and sometimes you just can't do things on the bus. Like, you know, normally you pack your car with different bits and bobs and you just can't can't manage to do it sometimes on public yeah, transport. But um, no, so, but, and, and also the other thing was, you know, not having anyone, there wasn't an epilepsy action group in Nottinghamshire. Mm. Um, 
at all. That's why I really, really wanted to set one up. I was so yeah. determined to set one up and still am, despite the COVID, <laughs> COVID restrictions. Yes. But I just, I wouldn't want anybody else to walk out of a doctor's surgery with the word epilepsy in their head just being like, now what? What what now? Now what am I yeah. supposed to do? Like, you know? And I've I've attended yeah. the Derby group twice and it's been so therapeutic. I can't even say how incredible it was. The first time I went with my mum and there was quite a few mothers and daughters there. Right. And mum just she was exactly the same, just talking to other mothers. Oh my goodness. And we yeah. all had such different stories to tell, but every oh it was it was very moving, very emotional, very, very, very cathartic. Um, so it's sad really that they they finished you know with covid yeah. but we've been doing them on zoom and yeah. i'm determined to get this Nottinghamshire group I, I know this sounds insane but i'm <laughs> i'm determined that every single doctor's surgery in the whole of nottinghamshire will have one of our posters up that was my mission i was yes. in the middle of posting them through to everybody just when the outbreak started but i'm determined i'm absolutely determined that i'm going to do little spot checks so i was going to walk into the surgery <laughs> i'm determined where is the poster is. i sent you a poster <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great though. So obviously you found the, the dive group so so helpful that you 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 determined to set this group up and unfortunately, yeah, as as you said, COVID hit and we've had to put all our groups online for now. But hopefully in the in the future you can continue that mission. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was struggling not working. I was struggling, you know, not working in January, February. So I applied for quite a few new jobs in March, just oh, temporary yeah. jobs all within school context so it all kind of right. when the schools closed they didn't exist anymore but on the application form it said do you consider yourself to have a disability yes or no and I was like I've never had to tick yes to that box ever I've never yeah. ever ever had to tick yes and I don't I don't really consider myself disabled because I've not registered disabled I've not got a blue badge or anything right. but I suppose you can't put no because that's dishonest you know that's yeah. that's not so I remember having to tick yes and it said please give details and the box wasn't big enough for me to write my entire like epilepsy journey. That really struck me. Do you consider yourself to have a disability? Yes or no? And I was like, goodness me, I'm, I'm going to have to put yes. You know, yeah. that was a real moment. <laughs> yeah, of course. I guess, I guess speaking, speaking of jobs as well and um, you said, you know, that your, your kind of last job, um, the kids were all you know clued in and they're kind of were all accepting that kind of stuff but what about your previous jobs that they kind of paid attention to your epilepsy and you know put things in place at all or has it been kind of not not so great because we've spoken to bob who you know we mentioned earlier where his school uh apparently really fantastic and they have like loads of stuff in place for him but then our last guest patients um she's struggling to get jobs or keep jobs because of her epilepsy and once they once they find out they're kind of like oh no maybe not maybe you're not the right person for the job mm. so i was wondering what your experience has been yeah so mid-diagnosis i wasn't very honest with the school um, right. because i had the appointment in march and i didn't have the eeg till the end of july so i didn't tell the school that i was undergoing investigation for it um because right. i'd only been there since january and i didn't feel comfortable to sort yeah. of tell them these intimate health things especially if i had the scan and the mri and it turned out to be all normal i didn't want to mm. so i wasn't i wasn't honest with them but then when i started my previous position the two heads of school um, were ex-army and came with their own set of um, post-traumatic stress and various right. different different things. So incredibly supportive, 
oh, very good. keen to make all the staff and the kids aware. But for me, for the first time in my classroom, I had to have the posters of what to do. This is what right. to do. This is the yeah, epilepsy. Yeah. And so yeah. it was quite, quite unusual for me. And um, uh, the kids were very, very, very good. They never witnessed a tonic clinic. No. But they were very good at knowing what to do um, if, if I was to have an absence and they would go and get somebody straight away. They really had a very strong sense of loyalty, bless them, despite right. everything that they've been through. Um, yeah. That's really good to That's hear. Good. That is really good to hear um, that kind of that it is possible and that there is support out there. Um, and that, yeah, even you say even the most challenging kids in the most challenging yes. setting like were able to show that compassion and care and know what to do and um look after you that's right yeah absolutely absolutely well, well maybe, maybe we have a question for every interview we've had so far and this is always the closing question um it's if you could tell someone newly diagnosed with epilepsy one thing what would it be I give, give you time to think unless you have something straight away. <laughs> Gosh, that, that's a very good one. Um, <laughs> I would say just just stay strong and don't give up. It is not the end. It's not the mm. end at all. In some ways, it is the beginning because yeah, you yeah. meet so many different people and hear so many stories and and even just attending the group is sometimes such a reality check like oh my gosh i'm so lucky this person has 20 seizures a day there's me complaining that i've got four a month you know mm. like it's 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 just the beginning so just stay strong and and don't don't give up lovely words and uh hopefully maybe we'll have your nottingham group set up later in the later in the year <laughs> so definitely, point, yeah, definitely keep an eye out that for that because we always uh if you are in the nottingham area we always put out blasts uh whether you signed up to our emails or on social media as well so yeah, yeah. it will hopefully be there supporting you along the way <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely well thank you so much ibby and we wish you all the best as um the future goes on and as um neve starts to grow and change um, it's really exciting times definitely thank you so much for having me thank you oh, I, I'm so glad that Ibby took um, Ibby had the time to chat with us there because I think just um, that experience of being so newly diagnosed with epilepsy and handling pregnancy um, and the coronavirus situation it's just layers upon once. layers upon layers of challenges um yeah so many ab- adaptations and adjustments she's had to make i think i mentioned it in the interview as well but at the moment when she said you know she couldn't take a key as keys out of the car that was that's that's really that's got to me is that one that's a heartbreak at that one yeah. I, I haven't ever thought about it that way um yeah, so yeah she's definitely taught me something there the kind of the bolt out of the blue when you hear that word epilepsy and suddenly everything can change like yeah um um but i'm really glad and happy that neve seems to be really healthy and doing really well so that's brilliant news um definitely in the midst of everything 
obviously we know that everyone with epilepsy is different and everyone's experience with epilepsy is different um, just as everyone's experience with pregnancy and childbirth and childcare is also different um, so we do have lots of information on our website about um, epilepsy and having a baby um, right from like thinking about having a baby right through pregnancy childbirth and um, childcare um, at the other side. So um, if you go to epilepsy.org.uk and type um, pregnancy or having a baby into the search box, then you'll be able to find all of our information there. Excellent. So that wraps up for episode seven of Epilepsy Cast. Uh, episode eight is in two weeks' time, and it will be, unfortunately, our last in the series. Oh, it's going to be uh, emotional. No, yes. And um, again, once again, we n- we're not sure on the guest, uh, mystery guest, once again, but uh, you will be able ah, to find out. But that's because the guest is oh. going to be a winner of one of our new Epilepsy Action Helping Hands Awards. Ah, there you go. So, so that's why we don't know quite yet who they're going to be. Right, okay. So I guess we're look out for the winners, um, as usual, on our social media channels um, at Epilepsy Action on pretty much everything. Uh, and maybe you can guess who the guest will be. Guess the guest. <laughs> guess the guest. <laughs> that's the new game. That's the that's the game for next time. But uh, yeah, as I say, follow us on all the social media channels, and make sure you do follow us on all your favorite podcast feeds: Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. Leave us a review, four stars at least, um, and uh, always look out for the next podcast in a couple of weeks. Hattie, I'll see you then. It's been a pleasure.